Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. We're also going to take a moment just to let you about a moment. We're going to look forwards. Look forwards. Everybody say October 13th. I've been telling you for the last month that if there was one Sunday in September that you needed to attend, it was this one. I hope now that you're leaving with a free shirt, you would agree that that was a good choice and uh, hopefully a breakthrough at the end of this message. If you hadn't already received it during worship, worship was amazing today. Um, But uh, I'm excited about the future. If there's one Sunday in October that you cannot miss, I really want to encourage you to come out October 13th because it is our vision Sunday. We do this every year and it is a, a time in the year where we take a look forward at the things that God is calling us to do as a church. You know, last night I was watching uh, my favorite college football team, uh, the Florida Gators, go Gators, chomp, chomp, kind of do their thing, kind of do their thing. And they won. And I was so excited that they won. And I was wondering why I was so engaged in this team that let's face it, they don't know me. They don't care about me. They can care less about me. And I think the reason why I was so invested is because any sports fan knows it just, it gives you an opportunity to be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. And I think that at our core, we all want that, to be a part of something. And so I don't know if you've been waiting for an invitation or waiting for just somebody to let you know. I just want to let you know, when you come and you sit there in that chair, you're not just taking up a seat. You're not just coming to receive. You are a part of something that is bigger than yourself. Every single story that we read, if you serve on a team, if you give at all, if you come in a tent, you are a part of that. And so welcome to the team. We're handing out jerseys and the blue tent. You can go ahead and take it. Won't have numbers on it, but you know what I mean when I say it. Welcome home, all right? And so uh, on Vision Sunday, I'm going to be talking about where we're going as a team. And I'm going to make some really scary but exciting uh, announcements, things that we've been praying about for the last couple months. And uh, you, you want to you wanna be there. I say scary because I'm a little bit scared. How many people have ever had a dream so big, you know, you kind of they are scared about that dream. You kind of second guess that dream. And so I feel like on that day, I'm going to be quoting to you Joshua chapter 1-9, which is not just kind of our Vision Sunday deal, but also today is an intro to this sermon. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, um, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. That was what God was telling Joshua before he goes into the promised land. And that's what I want to tell you as we begin to go into year four of our life as a church, or as you just begin to go to work tomorrow, or as you begin to go home tomorrow. If anybody's got little kids that they got to put in car seats, be strong and courageous, right? After, the, after you leave this, do not be afraid, amen? If, if you've got to go home and, you know, you've been fighting with your spouse, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. I'm actually pumped because for the next four weeks, we're going to be doing a sermon series on this idea of fear called fear not. Tell somebody fear not. Fear not, fear not. And I think it's a timely uh, sermon just because of the type of world that we live in today. How many people would testify to the fact that we live in a pretty fearful world? I would, I would say so. And I don't know that it was a scary world necessarily, but I know that it is a world that is full. People are full of fear. And if you don't believe that, just go to Walmart during Hurricane Watch. You want to see fear? Talk to somebody who can't find bottled water, you know? 
Fear, man, just all of society devolves. You know what I'm talking about? All the rules, they get thrown out the window. Everybody's crazy and irrational because of fear. Buying stuff you know you don't need just because the hurricane might come. And so you're going down the aisles and you're like, batteries, I don't got no problem with batteries. Check, batteries. Flashlights, I got no problem. My question is, why did you buy the anti-venom? I'm just wondering why you bought, you know, the raft. Somebody bought a raft. You never know how bad this thing will get. Just, got, just in case. Everybody else is going to get on my raft. and You should have prepared. And Here's my one irrational purpose. I know I'm going to get a lot of haters on this. I just don't understand why we buy so much bottled water. Right now, you've got 300 bottles of water in your pantry that you have no idea what to do with. They're like, I guess we'll take a bath. It's pretty clean. I'm not really. Do we water the trees with this? I'm not really sure. Everybody's like, well, you know, you need bottled water because if the power goes out, then your, your tap water will be dirty. And I'm like, homie, if my tap water goes out, I'm going for the orange juice and the milk that's about to spoil before I go for the water. I mean, at least the orange juice got vitamin C. You know what I'm saying? But we all do these irrational things and then we're left with just regret. And I just want to tell you, it matters because, because fear will cause you always to make decisions that you regret. Like in every season of life, like the only time I'm ever, every time I, I help somebody move their furniture from one place to another place, I am filled with fear and regret, okay? I regret it immediately, but the reason why I did it was because I was afraid about how they think about me. Have you noticed that in your life? Every decision that you've ever regretted has come because you were afraid. So you got to push fear away. If you don't believe we live in a fearful world, just watch your Twitter feed as we get closer to elections. Come on, everybody's going to be, oh my God, if he gets elected again, I'm moving to Canada. You know, everybody, just fear, just fear, just fear. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I think one of the best ways to, 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 to measure the fact that everybody's afraid is, is the level of everybody's hate. Because you know, Nazi Germany, and I'm just kind of on my soapbox here, but Nazi Germany, Hitler wasn't selling hate. He was selling fear. But if you can get enough people to fear... Or if you fear someone because of their skin color or someone because of their sexual orientation or you fear someone because of where they came from or how they grew up, that fear will mature into hate all the time. Because fear has a way, fear has a way of polluting your heart. Fear has a way of polluting your heart. And here's another thing about fear. You can't trust fear because fear is fickle. The things you're afraid about today are not the things you're afraid about tomorrow. If you don't believe that, just look at your, look at your fridge and look at your diet. Ten years ago, if you ate butter, that's like you're going to get a heart attack by the time you're 29. Avoid butter. Butter's not good for you. Today, we put butter in our coffee. <laughs> hey, I don't know why we do it, but I do it. Somebody told me it was good for me, so I'm like, just drop that bad boy in there. <laughs> but ten years ago, it wasn't. I had a friend who spent thousands of dollars on this thing called a water ionizer. You know what this is? I don't know what it is. It's beyond me. Too much science. It eliminates electrons from water or something like that. And he spent thousands. He's got a payment plan. Water is free, guys. <laughs> but not for my boy. So making payments on his water ionizer. And then because to get the ions out. And then we went out to eat dinner the other day. And the guy said, what do you want to drink? And he's like, water. I was like, is that ionized? He was like, nah, I'm over that. I was like, you're over that, but you're still paying for that, ain't you? Yes, you are. 
Here's my point about, about fickle. You can't trust it. There's no, I would think this. I think if there's an inconsistency in your life, that might be because there's a consistency in your fear. And the more afraid you are, the more you can't. And so you're this one way and this on another day because your fears are ruling your life. It's so true. Not to mention what fear has done for our peace. People talk about anxiety, and I get it. We can do a whole sermon series. This sermon series was originally on anxiety until I realized, you know what I think it really is? Fear. We, listen, I went to Disney World. Um, we go all the time. But, um, and now you, one of us, one of you will get to join us too. <laughs> get to hear that. But don't hit me up because I probably won't hang with you. Um, and so that's my personality. I'm sorry. You're never coming back, are you? <laughs> anyway, anyway um, we went and we went to Epcot. And in Epcot, there's this place called France. Now, it's not France, the country. We have a lot of people who watch online and YouTube. They've never been to Disney World. So there's this place called Epcot. And it's got a bunch of different countries in it. And you check them out. And we went to France because that was our favorite dessert. Anybody been to the France Epcot? Anybody bougie? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? The creme brulee, man. The creme brulee in the, Ep in the France Epcot is amazing, okay? And so we went there to get it. But before we went there, we had, the kids were still young. And we were rolling around in this stroller. And uh, Liz said that we should pump up the air in the tire of the stroller before we go. So I did it, but apparently I didn't do it good enough. So she comes up behind me and she's like, this tire's still low. I'm like, I think it's fine. She's like, no, it's low. Give me the thing. And she, I'm like, I don't know a lot about a lot, but that's a lot of air. She was like, just pack it up. And I'm like, all right, we'll go, you know. And, uh, and so we got there and we're rolling and we're in the line about to pay for our creme brulee. And A and bars. And when we're about to pay, true story, guys, the overinflated tire. But have you ever heard a tire explode? <laughs> and there were probably 300 people within, I don't know, 100 feet of us. And the moment the thing blew, I kid you not, it was... pulled something. I pulled something. That was too fast, Josh. <laughs> I did not stretch appropriately. I'm going to switch my extender. Not even playing, guys. Anyway, so here's the crazy. If this arm doesn't move for a while, don't be concerned. I'll get feeling back in about seven minutes. Uh, so, nope. So here's the crazy thing. Disney is the second happiest place on earth because Journey Church is the first happiest place on earth. And in a moment, everybody's happiness was interrupted. Everybody was freaking out. Why? We just celebrated 9-11 not too long ago. Not celebrated, but we memorialized it because we live in the new world of global terrorism. And so if you're in a public area and you hear a pop, I mean, you're smart to drop. You know what I'm saying? I don't need a lot of information. If I see 10 people running that way, I'll find out after. Why are we running? I'll find out later. I'm just trying to get there, you know, uh, safe. You know what I'm saying? But now, now here's this. Now I can't even enjoy Disney, the place I spent $3,000 to be at. I can't even enjoy Disney because look what fear does to our hearts. It steals our peace. 
And now you can have a totally normal day, but you wake up anxious, you go to work anxious, you go to sleep anxious, and you have no idea why. It's because you're a product of this world that we now live in. And if you don't know how to deal with your fear, you never learn how to deal with your anxiety. The other thing I'm afraid that fear is stealing is our future. And by future, I mean the next generation. I'm really concerned about this, guys. The other day, we were texting Liza and Seneca, just let them know that we were praying for them, some members of our church, just loving on them. And she said, um, keep praying because it was perfect timing. Keep praying because our kid's, school, our kid's school is on lockdown, active shooter. So now, come to find out, there was no active shooter. There were two guys with BB guns on their own property, not, not very close to the school, but somewhere on the same block. And I'm not criticizing the police officers or those who made that decision. I'm like, shut it down every chance that you get. Like, let's be safe about this. But then I heard Seneca tell me a story about his daughter who was in a closet for hours waiting for somebody to let her know that it was going to be okay to come out. And then I spoke to James, who was a teacher and went in a public school system. And he goes, oh, yeah, that happens two or three times a year. And I thought, that's the world our kids are growing up in? where two to three times a year, you have to hold your breath in a dark closet, hoping that nobody busts through the doors to shoot you and take your life? This is the world that they're inheriting? Guys, fear, if we don't learn how to deal with fear, it's gonna steal everything from us, our decisions, our hope, our peace, and our children, and our future. So if there is ever a time to turn to the scriptures and say, Lord, Teach me how to overcome fear. That I can teach my kids how to do this. That I can show my nephews and nieces how to overcome it. Teach me. Now is the time. 2019, this is the year. We got to help. And so I want to help you by, by going to the word of God and hearing what God says on fear. Now, I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you right now that I got to be honest. I know I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to have all this together. But I do not like God's answer on fear. I know some of y'all like, but you're supposed to be pastor. And you're supposed to like everything God says and does. And I'm like, but some things God says and does, I don't get. So it's hard. I'm going to do my best to obey and follow it. I got the faith, but I got questions. Anybody else got questions when you read the Bible? I got questions. Can we be real? And here's one of my questions, y'all. His, his, his advice to me. This, are you ready? How many people are ready for God's advice on how to overcome fear? Say amen. You're not going to like it. Joshua 1.9. Here it is. Here's his advice. Be strong and courageous. Here comes the advice, y'all. Don't be afraid. Now, I don't know about you, but that does not help me. In fact, the more you tell me not to be afraid, the more afraid I get. Have you ever noticed that? When somebody tells you not to be something or do something or feel something, just the opposite happens. Like, have you ever had somebody tell you to calm down? And we're like, just calm down. Just calm down. I am calm. I am totally calm. You need to calm down. You calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. You calm down. Or how about this line? Don't freak out, but no. You lost me at don't freak out. I don't even get to hear the rest now because I'm freaking out. I can't even hear you now. And so here comes God, and he's like, here you go, God. Don't feel afraid. Hey, I got the advice for your fear. Don't feel it. All right, all right. Joshua chapter 2. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, Lord. I can't help 
how I fear. Does anybody just, just amen with me? Like, I can't help it. I can't help how I fear. But then I read the verse again. He didn't say don't feel afraid. He said don't be afraid. And there's a difference between feeling afraid and being afraid. I'll illustrate it with a funny story. This happened this past Friday. Hilarious. I love my kids. I don't know what I'm going to preach when my kids grow up and leave the house because I'm going to be out of sermon illustrations. <laughs> but as long, I might let them live with me longer just so that I can 22 be like, nope, need you. Planting a new campus. Need some more material. Every, every Friday, our kids get to switch off on like who gets to pick the movie. And this Friday was Justice's, my oldest, seven, this opportunity to pick the movie. And he's been overcoming his fears lately. So he actually picked a scary movie, which is a big deal for Justice. He picked this movie called, I don't know, Mostly Ghostly or Ghostly Mostly by R.L. Stein or whatever, the guy who did Goosebumps. And it was a little scary. Like I was legit, like we only got five minutes in. And, and I'm looking at Liz and I'm like, this is kind of scary. And Liz is looking at me like he picked it. And I'm like, all right. And then my son, Zane, who just turned six, he, six, right? Just turned six. He said, he said, he said, no. He said, he said, change the channel, Justice. Justice said, no, I'm not changing the channel. I want to watch Mostly Ghostly. It's my turn to pick. And this is what I want to watch. And Zane was like, change the channel. <laughs> and then Justice was like, I'm not going to change the channel. And he's like, but I'm afraid. And he goes, well, you're just going to have to overcome your fear. This is how they talk to each other. He's just going to have to overcome your fear. And this is what Zane did. And I kid you not, I'm not making this up. It's a true, 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 true statement. He's sitting on the couch. <laughs> he gets up from the chair. He walks over to the TV. He holds the button. Boop, TV turns off. He grabs the Apple TV remote, walks away and goes, nope. And we're all like, what? <laughs> and now him and Justice are fighting. They're trying to fight over the remote. And Liz and I are doing this new method of parenting where we're going to let them resolve their own, you know, because that's how parents, you know, we're going to teach them how to do conflict resolution, which is really cold for I'm tired. Come on, parents, you know the deal. Ain't nobody got time for that, you know. And so I look at her and I'm like, babe, you need to handle that. And she's like, no, you I did the last one. You did this one. And I'm like, yeah, but you're the one that let them watch the movie. And so we're like, you know what? This is good for them. <laughs> Just see who wins. Whoever, whoever can overpower the other one gets to watch what they want to watch. <laughs> And I laugh about it, but I think it's so great because you know what Zane was saying? He was saying, listen, I can't help it if I feel afraid, but I can choose whether or not to be afraid. So I can't help it if scary movies scare me, but it's my choice to stay here and watch it. And I'm going to make the decision to not let my fear move me, but I'm going to move out of the way so that fear is no longer an obstacle for me. And that's what we need to do in life. We need to quit replaying the scenario. We need to quit rewinding and watching it from four different angles and point of views. We just need to take the remote and shut off the TV and go, I'm sorry. I know it's on, but just because it's on doesn't mean I have to watch it. I can focus on somebody else. I can focus on something else. I can focus on the victories. I can focus on the goodness. I can help it if I feel fear, but I will not help my fear. So I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to make a choice. And, and I like to give you the, the over, the over kind of the over view of where we're going to go these next four weeks really quickly. I'm going to do this because we're running out of time. But in week number two, here's why I want to do this, because I want you to come back. And I think that we need this message more today than we do ever. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be on this topic of fear. Here where we're going. Listen, in week two, we're going to talk about the fear of making the wrong choice. 
How many people can need that message right there? Yeah. I've got, I'm in a fork in the road. I've got to make some decisions, and it's scary because what if I make the wrong one? And then my whole life, get, we over-exaggerate things. We're like, if I, if I order a Big Mac and I should have ordered a double, it's my whole life. And I just want to help you. Or you've made a decision recently, and you're wondering if it was the right one. You're going to want to be here next week. Number three, we're going to talk about the fear of failing, which is, I think, the greatest fear, the fear of failing. You want to step out in faith and do something great? What if it all falls down? And number four, I'm writing it for me because this is probably the one that I struggle with the most is the fear of the unknown. I can look back and give God praise for the last three years, but I'd be lying if I tell you I wasn't worried about the next three years because I know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. Can we do it as a, as a team, as leaders, as staff? I'm just kind of venting my, my fears with you, processing them with you even as I speak about them. One of my greatest fears, and I, I will say when I was younger so that you don't judge me now, but I'll be honest, I kind of still wrestle with it now. I know I'm not supposed to because I'm a pastor. Death. Just because I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I know. I read the Bible and it tells me. But can I be real? It's kind of scary. We're going to talk about that. So you want to be here uh, all four weeks. That's the last sermon because I need to get through that myself before I preach it to you. So <laughs> put that one on week four, team. Um, and so that's where we're going we're gonna to be at. But today's fear, I want to go through quickly. And um, today's fear, I want to bring it. I'm going to literally the next five minutes. I'm going to go through this whole thing because um, I think we can hit it quick because once I talk about it, you'll know it. Luke 8, 42, I'm going to introduce to you today's fear in one of the greatest stories, I think, in the Bible, but also one of the most greatly misunderstood stories. Luke chapter 8, verse 42. As Jesus went along, the people were crowding with him on every side. Among them was a woman with an issue of bleeding for 12 years. Does anybody have an issue today at church? Any healing? Amen? Nine people? All right. The rest of y'all just came in here. Perfect. Okay. Well, this is a sermon for the people who have issues. She has spent all she had on doctors, but no one had been able to cure her. She came up in the crowd behind, she came up in the crowd behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and her bleeding stopped at once. Jesus asked, Who touched me? Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, the people are all around you and crowding in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I knew it when power went out of me. Look at verse 47. And when the woman saw that she had been found out, she came trembling, afraid, and threw herself at Jesus' feet. The title of today's sermon is The Fear of Being Found Out. The Fear of Being Found Out. I'm going to do my best for you to connect with this because I think there's so many guards and protections over it, over our hearts, that we might not even relate to this if we're too guarded. And uh, the best example I can think of is The Wizard of Oz. Anybody ever see The Wizard of Oz? There's one of the scenes in The Wizard of Oz where if you haven't, there's this wizard who has a big projecting floating head and this big projecting floating head is The Wizard of Oz. But then you come to find out that this big projecting floating head is actually just an older gentleman behind a curtain. And the way we find out is when this woman, Dorothy, pulls the curtain back and sees him. And when she sees him, she says these words. She says, you're such a horrible man. You're a bad man. And the wizard says, no, I'm actually a good man. I'm just a bad wizard. And that's why I did this. And the reason why I did this, the reason why I put up this projection was to keep the Wicked Witch of the West or East, I can't remember, one of those witches, to keep them from coming and, and destroying all of our people. So this is what he was saying. This is what I want you to relate with. I have a projection, but my projection is my protection. I'm projecting, but the only reason why I'm projecting is to keep people 
out because I got to protect what happened to me. Uh, I, I lived this out personally. I never knew that I would be a, a public speaker. You know, the day I knew that I would be a public speaker when I started getting bullied in middle school. You don't really get bullied in elementary school because like maybe you do nowadays, but pretty much in elementary school, everybody's the same height, you know? So you're like all there. But in middle school is really when they start to kind of, and you're like, what happened? We were friends in sixth grade. You know, now you're 10 times my height. And that was me. And I would get bullied a lot. And I told my cousin, I said, man, I'm getting bullied. What, what can I do? How do I fight back? And, and, and he said, well, it's too long to teach you how to fight. But here's what you can do. If you talk a big game, if you talk a big game, you'll never have to fight a fight in your life. And so I was like, that's great advice. And here's what I found out as I was defending myself by putting forward this projection. I could really talk. That was the first time I found out that I was good at this thing. Like I started putting words together and things were rhyming just because. You know, and, and like, and I was quick-witted and I could think but quick and get back. And if you got me, I could cut you right back real quick with my, with my words. Uh, and I thought, man, I'm really good at this. Until one day, this kid wanted to fight me. And I said, oh, you want to fight? I'll fight you right now. Like, it worked every time. But that time, <laughs> he looked back at me and he said, okay, then let's do it. And I was so afraid. <laughs> Not because I was afraid of losing the fight. I was afraid that everyone was going to see who I really was. That I wasn't this thing that I was putting forward. Now, here's what you have to understand. I'm not talking about being fake because there's a lot of people here today say, oh, I'm not fake. I know you're not fake. I'm actually on your side. I don't think you're being fake. I just think that you found something that you're really good at. And here's what you're doing. You're using the thing that you're really good at to cover up the, the fact that you don't feel really good at anything. You're, you're, you're using what you can do well to overcompensate for the fact that you don't feel well. And I asked Liz in the back, I was like, have you, after the first sermon, I was like, have you ever felt that way? And, she, and I was like, and I said, because like, you're really good at fashion. I was like, did you ever, did someone ever make fun of you when you were younger? And she was like, no, not at all. I think I just got into this because of my sisters. And then like, like backstage, she had like a breakthrough. She was like, come to think about it. This is literally like an hour ago. She's like, they used to make fun of me because of my lips in high school, in school. She's like, am I having a breakthrough right now? And she's great at makeup and she's great at hair and she's great at fashion. And girl, you look good. All those things are great. But here's what she did. She found something that she could do really well to cover up as a protection for the fact that she didn't feel the way she was portraying. And you might think, well, you guys are on the stage. And yeah, but you don't have to be on stage to put on a show for people. You can do that right from your home. You can do that from your living. You can do that in your marriage. You can do that in your friendships. You can do that at work. Somebody here, you got made fun of when you were younger. So guess what your comeback was? You became really funny. Now you're the funny guy. The funny guy. Everybody comes out and everybody's expecting you to make them laugh. Nobody says it, but there's an expectation, right? And it's really just your projection because you don't want them to know how the joy is not really there at all. I think, and here's the thing that happened. There's two things that happen when you feel that way. Number one, you get exhausted. You get exhausted. I remember coming out of a house one day, not my house. I was at a vacation house. I went out of a house and I heard a noise in a trash can. And I went over to, the, I went over to see what this noise was. Has anybody ever seen a raccoon? But has anybody ever seen a raccoon stand up? They're like miniature bears. Don't judge me. This raccoon had, I'm not lying, had the trash can in one hand. Stood up on all his fours, dropped the trash can. He inflated his chest to look big and then stepped, stepped to me. He, he stepped to me, y'all. He said, I was like, that's your trash. That's your trash. You can have that. That's your trash. 
Here's what I know would have happened, though. I left because I was scared, okay? But here's what I know would have happened. Here's what I know would have happened if I would have stood my ground. Eventually, he would have came down. You know why? Because nobody can hold their breath forever. But it feels like that sometimes. When you come to work, you know, you, come, you, 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 get, you, you go home, your kids... You go out to eat with your friends, and we're trying, man. We're trying because on the inside we feel so vulnerable. On the inside we feel so insecure. On the inside, but you know what? Nobody can hold their breath forever, and you're scared, and you're wondering what will they see when eventually I have to exhale because this is a part of me, but it's not me. And I'm just afraid when they see me when I exhale, I'll lose everything. Because here's the second thing that happens: you'll never feel like you belong. Because if nobody ever finds out who the real you is, you'll always wonder if anybody really loves you. You'll wonder if they love who you are or what you can do for them. I, I wonder that. Can I be transparent? I wonder if, if I bomb at a sermon, I wonder if any of you will come back. And I just wonder, and maybe, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should find a church where the preaching is always great. I don't know that I can always hit home runs, guys, okay? One day you're going to come and this is going to be bad. And I'm just saying it's not the way it is. But in the back of my mind, here's my struggle. They're only here because of what I can do for them. But the moment I cease to be able to do for them, nobody was ever here because they ever cared about me at all. I know, that's, I know that's prideful, and I know that's insecure, and I know no pastor should think like that. But the only way I can help you process it is by processing it with you. What's your thing? We all have them, and if you don't think you have one, I'm going to tell you the best way to find your thing. Review your social media feed. Because your projection is your protection. So the thing you post about the most, chances are, is the thing you're using to keep people at a distance. And it is at a distance. That was the problem with this woman. She was, she was unclean, the Bible says, which means that she could not touch anything or anyone. She could, for 12 years, she could not feel the touch of a human being. Just get that, because if you touched her, they became unclean too. So for 12 years, she had to isolate herself to protect herself from other people. Here's what I want to tell you. My projection is my protection, but with protection comes isolation. So the more you protect the less people can actually know who you are. And being, that's why I believe that the greatest miracle that ever happened to this woman, the one with the issue of blood, was not the healing of her bleeding. I think it was when God said, who touched me? Let me, let me break that down and I'll, I'll wrap this up. I think, I'm gonna get the worship team, just the piano player, just come out. I think that the greatest healing didn't happen when, when the blood stopped. I think it was when she said, when he said, who touched me? You know why? Because he knew who touched her. He knew who touched him. It's Jesus, y'all. He's a prophet. He can see anything. Just so you understand, he wasn't asking the question because he didn't know the answer. And the woman, she knew that he knew. Because the Bible says, she said, I've been found out. So he knew and she knew. You know why? He said, who touched me? Because he wanted to give the woman an opportunity to raise her hand. Hear, the, hear me, hear me. He wasn't trying to get her to be found out. He was trying to give her an opportunity to come out. Jesus is not in the business. God is not in the business of people being found out. He's in the business of people being found. And there's a big difference. To be found out is fear-based, but to be found is grace-based. And so if it's fear-based, it's I don't want to show the world who I am. Because if I show the world who I am, I'll be judged. But when you understand grace, you go, I don't mind showing the world who I am. Because I understand I'm not afraid of being found out because I've already been found. And Jesus didn't want to let her leave. 
See, he could have let her leave, guys. He, he didn't call her out by name. She could have touched him. She could have got healed. And she could have left. But he didn't want to let her leave just knowing she had been healed. He needed to make sure that when she went home, she knew she had also been accepted. And some of you guys are praying for your issue. But God just doesn't want to heal your issue. He wants to heal the issues that your issue has caused. He healed the issue of the woman. Her issue of rejection, he healed the issue of rejection when the blood stopped. Now he had to deal with the issue of her projection. And today God wants to do the same in your life. He wants to let you know, one, you're healed. I've, 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 whatever you think is not good about you, I want you to know I see it. I see it. I see it. That's what he was saying when he said, who touched me? He was saying, I see you. I see you. I know no one else sees you because you're hiding. You're unclean, so you have to cover up. But underneath the mask and underneath the costume, I want you to know, I see you. And guess what? I love you. Right there. You could drop the act. You can drop the, I know you're not faking. I know you're not pretending. But if you're tired, come ye who are, who are heavy burdened, weary, I will give you rest. Drop the costume. Drop the, you don't have to be good at it. You don't have to perform anymore. You don't have to try so hard. Just, you are accepted. I see you. I see you. I see you. That's what he said in Luke chapter 8, verse 48. There in front of everybody, she told him why she had touched him and how she had been healed at once. And Jesus said to her, my daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I've asked some pretty creative people to come perform for you. And in this performance, I want you to see the way Jesus saw this woman. Not the way the woman saw herself, but the way Jesus saw this woman. And more importantly, the way Jesus sees you. Would you stand on your feet today? Come on. I don't know how you saw Jesus in that story. Let me get everybody's attention. This is so key. I don't know how you saw Jesus in that story. When he said, who touched me? I don't know how you envisioned his eyes. If you grew up in a religious background, you probably saw Jesus like this. Who touched me? But here's what I believe about the way Jesus looked at that. First off, you know he looked right at her, right? He said, who touched me? He looked right at her. And I don't believe there was anger in his eyes. I believe there was fire in his eye. But it wasn't the fire like anger. I feel like it was fire like passion. Like passion. Like, like little girl, my daughter. Like I know you've been struggling with this for a long time and you got this issue. And I just want you to know Jesus doesn't see your issue today. He doesn't see your divorce today. He doesn't see your addiction, your struggle. He didn't even see your trophies or your awards. He doesn't see your salary or your success or your humor or your beauty or your strength. He sees you behind the curtain. He sees you hiding in the background. He sees you on the floor. He says, I see you. Our eyes are on fire. And I want you to know that the you behind the curtain is the you that I gave my life for on the cross. That the you behind the curtain is the you that I came to earth for. That the you behind the curtain is the one that I gave my life for and I'd give it all over again. For you, I see you. I see you. I see you and I'm, I weep as I prepared this message this week because I thought about all the people who come to church just trying to touch the hem of their garment get the blessing and go and God's like no, 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 no I'm not going to let you leave with a blessing 
I'm a, you need to leave here with relationship. You need to leave here knowing that I accepted you. I thought about your finances. I can, I can heal your finances, but if I heal your finances, but I don't heal the way that you see yourself, you'll be a rich, depressed person. I can heal the sickness, but if I heal the sickness, but not the way that you see yourself, you'll be a, a healed, anxious person. And so what I need to change, what I really need to change, is the way you think I see you and the way you think you see yourself. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you need to give your life to Jesus, there are eyes burning on your soul right now in a good way. Not like a hell fire kind of way, like a passion, like I see you, son. I see you, daughter, and I've been waiting for this moment your whole life. I've been waiting for you to understand that you didn't have to perform for me, that you don't have to perform for love, that you don't have to be smart or wise or to be good enough for me, that I absolutely love you just the way you are. I've been, I've been talking to you, son. You've been making mistake after mistake, and now you're just coming to church, hiding, getting what you came for, and going home. Don't leave without looking at me. Look at me. I love you that's you in this place and you maybe you've never prayed a prayer of salvation before you've never asked Jesus to come into your life or you did it when you were younger but it's been many years since then and now you want to kind of come back home to God if that's you when I say three I want to give you an opportunity to raise your hand as a signal to heaven saying Jesus I need you in my life I see you Jesus I see you Jesus all over this place on three raise your right hand one two come on right now one two three all over this building right now come on I see that hand 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 Come on, too many hands to count. Go ahead and put that hand down. Congratulations. Journey Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Worship team, would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I see you. And I see that you see me. Here I am. I'm not performing any longer. The act is done. Receive me as I am. Forgive me of my past. I want to start a brand new life today. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, more hands than I can count, Journey Church. Give God some praise. How about this? If you made a decision, I want you to take that blue card. I want you to check, I made a decision to follow Christ. Or you can text us the message up here. In three years, guys, there has never been a Sunday where there hasn't been at least one hand raised to give your life to a person to, to, to get right with the Lord. We want to welcome you to the family. Journey Church, welcome them home, all those people who raised their hand. Welcome home. Now I want us to pray a special prayer. I want to pray a special prayer in a moment. But before we do that, I want to ask the host to get into position. I'm just so grateful. Thank you for your consistent sacrifice for all that you do. Thank you for your generosity. We're going to go back into worship and it's going to be awesome. But our hosts are going to get ready to honor God with our generosity. If you uh, tithes or offerings, you can do that at this time in a moment. Those blue cards, this is your opportunity to turn that in. I don't know if you saw in the lobby, but we got this big board that says, when were you baptized? When did you give your life to Jesus? And some stickers. I would love it if you went to that board, put your sticker on there. It's amazing to see how many lives have been transformed and changed. So I want to pray for this offering. I want to give God praise and I want to worship and we're doing all this in one shot. I want to pray for those who you already have a relationship with Christ, but today you're going to own who you are. 
weaknesses, vulnerabilities, and all. If that's you, I want to pray for you. The worship team will take it away. Father, we love you and we thank you, God. There's nobody like you. God, we pray for everybody in this church. They know you. They have a relationship with you. They've just been looking at themselves more than they've been looking at you, God, and the way that you see them. But we know this is not our battle, that this is your battle. And so we're just going to stay in relationship with you. We're just going to stay close to you. We're just going to love on you and let you take it away, God. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for fighting the battle on the cross. I don't have to perform. I don't have to be the best or the strongest. I don't have to be funny or successful or beautiful. I'm already beautiful in your We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.